Listener note, this podcast was created as an adjunct for those studying for the PCS exam. By no means do we guarantee that one will pass the exam solely by listening to this podcast. We encourage all those studying for the exam to put the appropriate time and effort into their studying using resources recommended by the ABPTS and the APTA. It is not allowed to discuss test content and we will not accept any questions related to test content. While we will do our best to provide the most accurate information, if you feel as though we have stated something that is incorrect, please contact us via Instagram at Pushing Pediatrics. Hi, I'm Sheila. And I'm Sarah. And welcome to Pushing Pediatrics, an educational podcast for physical therapists created to help those studying for the Pediatric Certified Specialist exam and anyone else interested in learning more about pediatric physical therapy. We're going to start this week talking about performance appraisal of school-based PTs. I'm linking it in like we always do in the resources because this one didn't show up. I actually had to search for it, but this was a super important fact sheet. So I'm going to suggest you guys all take a look at it. It's crazy long and it's packed full of useful information. This document was created to highlight critical considerations in evaluating physical therapist performance in the school setting and to offer a method to link student outcomes to physical therapist effectiveness. The functional outcomes that physical therapists address are critical to their students achieving post-secondary pursuits in college, career, and or community participation. This document provides a framework to measure the effectiveness of the physical therapist based on the functional performance of students. An important function of the performance appraisal process is to offer the opportunity for self-reflection and professional development. Attributing student outcomes to the effectiveness of a physical therapist must be grounded in the scope and practice of physical therapy in the educational setting. The mandate for physical therapists working in public schools, as defined by the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, is to assist a child with a disability to benefit from special education. The central role of the physical therapist is to promote student access to and participation in the educational environment and curriculum. The fact sheet lists several examples of functional skills like improved student posture that enables them to work on academic tasks, improved ability to propel a wheelchair and keep pace with peers in the hallways, and improved gross motor skills that promote play and socialization on the playground. Therefore, outcome measures that accurately reflect growth in these skills must be used as a basis to determine the physical therapist's effectiveness. Student learning objectives, or SLOs, have been identified as a valuable method to measure student outcomes and link them to educator effectiveness. An SLO is basically the same as a goal created for a group of students targeting a specific area of growth. SLOs contain three main components, the targeted student population, the targeted outcome, and the progress monitoring tool. Students can be grouped into functional categories by the specific need being addressed by physical therapy services. These are things like posture and positioning, functional mobility, foundational motor skills, self-care, self-management, assistive technology, 
vocational skills, and safety. Your targeted outcome represents the growth that is anticipated in the targeted student population within the performance appraisal period or whatever designated timeframe you chose. The outcome parameters are defined according to the progress monitoring tool chosen to measure the student learning outcome. When writing an SLO for a group of students, the chosen progress monitoring tool needs to be consistent across students. For example, in an SLO targeting functional mobility, each student's growth should be monitored with the same tool like the timed up and go test. The fact sheet then goes on to give some examples of skill objectives and participation objectives. When measuring objectives, you can use a standardized test, but this may be appropriate for only a small portion of the physical therapist caseload. This fact sheet does have a fairly extensive list of standardized tests in the appendix, so it is a great resource for some more outcome measure review. In reality, it will be impossible to select one standardized test that meets the criteria for all students. Therefore, alternative methods for measuring student outcomes must be considered. What do you think it might be? All right, this is where goal attainment scaling comes in. This fact sheet dives deep into goal attainment scaling and is definitely a one-stop shop for you to review to deeply understand goal attainment scaling with great examples included. The goals are developed around the student's specific need area and are informed by the student, the team, and the family. Goal attainment scaling is a criterion referenced tool that measures change by defining an individualized set of goals identifying a range of outcomes commonly using a five-point scale, and then using the scale to determine functional change. Using the IEP goals as a basis for developing goal attainment scaling goals is recommended. When determining the rating scale, the following principles must be applied. Each rating should be distinct with no possible overlap in student function between rating levels and generally, no more than one dimension or variable should change per performance level. Do not miss out on the examples this fact sheet provides. They are an amazing resource and plentiful. Moving on to dosing, we are going to discuss dosage considerations, recommending school-based PT under IDEA. IDEA does not specify how the team determines the amount of physical therapy services to include in the IEP. The purpose of this fact sheet is to help you determine this by describing the considerations that should guide your clinical reasoning for dosing, specifically for school-based PT. Side note, dosing is a huge area across all of the settings. We're going to talk more about it in the coming weeks because we have more fact sheets to go over, but make sure you are comfortable and confident in determining optimal dosing. Okay, back to dosing specifically in the school setting. The first table in this fact sheet is a summary of definitions. It outlines all of the major definitions that you need to know relative to dosing. Frequencies like intermittent, periodic, frequent, and intensive are important things to be able to distinguish. So what are the elements that influence decision-making in school-based PT? Well, we need to consider the ICF model, current evidence-based practice, the guide to PT practice, IDEA, district policies, and individual state practice acts. All of these have links embedded in the fact sheet. 
the fact sheet then goes on to develop a model based on all of these elements to guide decision-making. When determining frequency, length of sessions, and the length of the episode of care, the fact sheet outlines factors to consider. These factors are described at length in the fact sheet, but I'm just going to highlight each one. One, participation restrictions. Two, chronological age and readiness for skill acquisition. Three, impact of therapeutic interventions. Four, support available at the school. Five, transitions. Six, expertise and the amount of clinical decision-making and problem-solving needed. Seven, previous therapy. Eight, health condition. And nine, assistive technology. The fact sheet then goes on to describe some alternative dosing examples like front-loading, therapeutic blocks of time, transitional services, and short intensive bursts for unique needs. Front-loading is providing an increased amount of therapy during the initial portion of the episode of care and then fading. Therapeutic blocks are specific periods of time that may be divided over the episode of care and used as needed. Transitional services may be needed to help a student moving from elementary to middle school that has new needs. Short intensive bursts is some activity that is unique, but needs an increased amount of therapy to accomplish. So this fact sheet has a great appendix for dosing that would be great to have printed out for frequent review. It goes into detail regarding each of the considerations at each level of dosing, like intensive, frequent, periodic, or intermittent. The fact sheet also presents four case studies to help drive home the dosing concepts. Reviewing these will help you immensely, and I think after you read this fact sheet, you'll have a great understanding of dosing. Continuing on with the talk of dosing, the next fact sheet that we are going to go over is the frequency and duration of physical therapy services in the acute care pediatric setting. This fact sheet is only one page, but it is packed with information. Knowing dosing recommendations is very important, like Sheila says, and comes up a lot on practice exams. The fact sheet shows a chart that has listed all of the different dosages for acute care pediatric physical therapy. It ranges from consult, which is one to two visits total, occasional, one to two visits per week, regular three to four visits per week, frequent five visits per week, and intense greater than six visits per week. Below each dosage are bullet points of reasons why a patient may receive this specific dosage. We will go through a few bullet points as examples, but will not go through all of them. So make sure you take a look at this sheet. For someone to receive consult visits, a patient may have no documented loss of skill or new impairments with little foreseeable potential for progress towards functional goals. Someone may receive occasional visits when there is a risk for loss of skills due to prolonged hospitalization if not followed or progressed by a skilled PT. One may receive regular visits, three to four visits per week, if there are new or chronic impairments, medical conditions, and or functional limitations. One may receive frequent visits five times per week if there is a high risk for deconditioning and loss of mobility without direct skilled PT intervention. 
Lastly, one may receive intensive physical therapy greater than six visits per week if a discharge date from the hospital is dependent upon PT clearance and patient family training. Again, definitely take a look at this fact sheet. Next, we are moving on to the fact sheet titled Intensity of Service for Children with Chronic Conditions. The purpose of the fact sheet is to provide recommendations for decision-making to physical therapists in the outpatient setting regarding intensity of care for children with lifetime health conditions. Some children with lifetime health conditions have ongoing needs, so the pediatric physical therapist needs to make ethical, evidence-based decisions about intensity of service to meet the needs of the child and family. One key thing on this fact sheet are the operational definitions for intensity. This includes episode of care, frequency of PT visits, and length of visit. It is also important for a physical therapist to follow the key ethical principles when determining the dosage of therapy. These include distributive justice, beneficence, and duty. Distributive justice is the fairness and equality of health resources considering patient need and ability to benefit from the service. Beneficence is doing good, and duty refers to our responsibility to the patient, the referring physician, our profession, and society. There are also motor learning principles that one should follow. These include sensitive periods and readiness for children to learn new skills, stages of learning, and big quantities of practice, intense practice with appropriate feedback, and creating opportunity for children to practice activities that are meaningful and goal-directed in diverse environments. The remainder of this section explains emerging research on sensitive periods for development and the different learning stages. We mention the learning stages frequently in our podcast, so it's definitely something to take a look at. In regards to evidence on intensity, the fact sheet goes over three key things, episode of care, frequency, and length of visit. According to the fact sheet, there is no evidence in the literature to support a definite length of episode of care. It may depend on the child and one size does not necessarily fit all. Current evidence for frequency suggests that it can be characterized by patient population and types of intervention. It is important to consider the feasibility of intensity of service, types of outcome measures, and the inclusion of longitudinal follow-up. Intensity does matter, but it varies between children. There is currently no evidence in the literature as to the ideal length of each physical therapy session. It is recommended that physical therapists consider the following when determining intensity of physical therapy service. Identify child and family priorities in regards to activity and participation goals. Determine the child's current health condition future needs, and evaluate the impact of the condition on the child's activity and participation. Examine and identify body structure and function factors and hypothesize which of these factors impact child's activity and participation. 
and identify and evaluate the child's personal and environmental factors. Again, research states that there may not be a one size fits all when it comes to frequency and intensity. So it is best to determine this based on the child, their condition and other factors. So basically those three fact sheets that we talked about, three of the four today really hit on dosing in a variety of settings. So we hit school dosing, we hit outpatient dosing, and we hit hospital-based dosing. So you can kind of see that this comes up a lot. And so I think that these are fact sheets that really have to be discussed Thank you all so much for listening to Pushing Pediatrics. You can follow us on Instagram at Pushing Pediatrics. We would love to hear from you. So send us questions, suggestions, things you want to hear more of, and things you'd maybe want to hear less of. We will talk to you guys next week. And remember, you totally got this.